0: Welcome to SaaS Holes, the podcast, the show where me, Jamie Carney, and Pete Janssens how you doing? Talk about everything and anything we have experienced in our combined sixty years of cloud software environment, from finance to sales to product to data analytics. We've covered it all. Learn from se- our
1: mistakes.
0: Yes. On the segment today, we have Ben Goldberg from Sales Gig. How you been? He jo- yeah, he joined us to discuss SDRs and BDRs um but before we get into that let's get through some shout outs pete you want to start us off with a shout out
1: oh absolutely jason ferrara chief marketing officer at outmatch we did a little tour didn't we uh carney about six years worth good looking gent
0: yes he moved down to texas is he still in texas Uh, i don't he's too i think he's kind of small for texas (laughs) um I'm going to give a shout out to Kelly Kirkpatrick. She's uh, one of my favorite people that I've worked with. Uh, She worked on my team, of course, so I've got uh, a little bias there. She works over at Great Wolf Lodge on the data team. I know they've been experiencing some major issues with COVID, but I know they've reopened. Um, I think they're at 25 to 30% staff. I talk to Kelly all the time. She's in one of my uh, group chats or group texts where we just text about random things. So Kelly, giving you a shout out here. Uh, Great person to know. All right. Pete, you got any more shout outs?
1: Yeah, I got one more. Uh, Let's see if this guy's listening. Brian Murphy just completed his neurofeedback internship at Neuronoodle and received his Neuronoodle Noodleversity diploma this summer. And he's now closing out his senior year at Northwestern and studying for his MCATs. We wish him well. Just goes to show you, Carney, always bring on people smarter than you are.
0: Yeah, he's from Beverly, too. Southside. Southside. The problem is he's not a Sox fan. So, you know, I wanted to sort of beat him up after being a fellow Southsider when you've got two favorite clubs the Go Go White Sox and whoever pays the Cubs. And they're playing today. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, another shout out. Um, a longtime guy I worked with, and Pete, you have some experience with him. Ben Jablo works over at Postal I.O. We're supposed to get Postal I.O. him and Eric Kostelnik on the show. But, Ben, I'm going to give you a shout out, even though you're not deservingly so. I always give you a hard time, but you know I love you, brother. It's, so just
1: banners, Jablo. it's just banners, Jablow. It's
0: just banners, Jablow, which is a um, an inside joke. We don't have to explain it. You anything. hired him. Yeah, that's great. Um, all right, so any other shout outs? Otherwise, I think we're going to move on to the next segment, which move is it up, move it along. the dad
1: joke of the day, Pete. All right, I was in a job interview today when the manager handed me his laptop and said, I want you to try and sell this to me. So I put it underneath my arm, walked out of the building, and went home. Eventually, he called my cell phone and said, bring me back my laptop. I said, $200, and it's yours.
0: <laughs> Did you get the job?
1: <laughs> no, but That's I a got great this pop- way. Just hold a got- ransom. You know, you get that stupid question, hey, sell me this pen. I know. Take it. I know. Just take,
0: take it home. And walk away. And walk away. Yours is a laptop. Uh, I'll give you that one. That was probably your best one today. Oh, really? Yeah, but it's like the tallest midget. They're not really good. We'll we'll,
1: we'll edit that out
0: in post. (laughs) Um, All right. Now, before we get started um, into some other segments, let's get a break from our sponsor, NeuroNoodle. Get a doodle of your noodle today. At NeuroNoodle, if you suffer from ADHD, anxiety, concussion protocol, and many other mental health issues, you should consider treatment like NeuroFeedback. Mental health is a huge focus with COVID, especially with children who may not grasp the virus concept. Um, in areas like today, mental health has to be a priority. Try NeuroFeedback by visiting NeuroNoodle.com.
1: Great people over there. Yeah, great Even people. Brian Murphy.
0: He's gone now, though, right? That's right. Yeah. He's gone. All one. right, news of the week or news you should know. I don't know, because it depends on when you're listening. At this time, on 925, Pete is considering this news you well, should know. A, a couple
1: things out there. Democrats are trying to put $2.4 trillion relief bill out there. Jobless claims ticked up to $870,000. amazon has got a $250 drone that stays inside your house and flies around for security purposes. What? It's great? It's crazy. I didn't even right, hear that. Oh, it's out. Uh, it's out there, Carnac. Uh, let's see. Also, yesterday, Fortnite maker Epic Games, uh, Tinder owner Match Group, and filmmaker Spotify teamed up with ten other companies to launch the Coalition for App Fairness, a nonprofit that will advocate for legal and regulatory changes to app stores. Interesting. Target Fortnite one... is the
0: worst app ever if we're parents because your children play it to talk to other parents, uh, other kids. And when you actually look at it, it's a very violent, violent game. And so you've got these 10-year-old kids that I don't think parents are aware. The violence in there, you're basically shooting each other in a big uh, survival uh, hunker games type of environment. I, I can't stand it. My son plays it all the time. He just, we just moved to a, a, a video game house because of COVID. That was one of the things we wanted him to keep in touch with people over the wintertime.
1: Well, long story short, uh, a lot of people are griping over giving 30% to the, uh, to the house.
0: Mm-hmm. That's, all I got. That's all I got, Carney. All right, finally, before we get into our segment, we've got the book recommendations. Pete is an avid book reader, and he pushes books all the time. I read a lot of books as well, but um, I thought... Well, a lot of people read a lot
1: of books, but not you don't really apply a lot from what you read. You know, so it's like to focus on the core foundation we got a good, strong foundation of listeners that are first-time leaders. So I'd like to, you know, go over books that helped on the foundation of, of, of my development. And one of those books is uh, Good to Great. Now, it's, it's, it's kind of funny because a lot of the companies that are talked about in this book are no longer around. <laughs> but the concepts in there, Level 5 Leadership, Being Humble, First who then what talks about bringing the right people on board your company or on the bus, confront the brutal facts, the hedgehog concept. I'll get a, let me just tell you what that is. Number one, what can you be best in the world at? Number two, what drives your economic engine? And number three, what are you deeply passionate about? A culture or discipline, technology accelerators, the flywheel and doom loop. I thought that was a, a pretty big one. So for all you kiddos out there, pick up uh, pick up that book, Good to Great, Jim Collins. It's old school knowledge. Big big fan.
0: Yeah, you know he did a uh, he did a reverse Good to Great as well. So I've read that as well. Do you do you remember that? I I, I do. A much thinner book. It's a much thinner book. <laughs> so the Good to Great book was like four hundred pages long, yeah. um, and I can't remember the name of the Good to Great. But it's black. The reverse one is black. Yeah. And it's probably a hundred pages. It's very it is, thin. An even better read, I think, because uh, it's easier to learn from your mistakes.
1: Well, I'll tell you is. what, Cardi,
0: you can get the next book uh,
1: on the next podcast.
0: All right, I will do that. Um, oh, and another thing is let's, let's, let's put some myths. You know, I always heard people would tell me they're avid book readers and they're reading all these business books. And uh, I remember a guy got up on a sales kickoff stage one time and told me he read three to five books a month. Um, in my opinion, for all you guys out there that are just getting into book reading, one, somebody who says they're writing three to five business books a month. is 14. Liar. I would say at best pace, if you're really going to consume that, it's probably one a month would be a good goal. And that's even stretching because you have some other things to do.
1: Well, I my two cents is how are you going to pick that one book, right? So there's different uh, companies out there. Blinkist is decent. Um, summary.com is, is very good. Where you can you know get a quick skim and see if the topics pertain to your business, how it can help you out, then you go and invest and in, in, in you, you put your time in the book. Yeah, and,
0: and you apply. And I would, agree, I would agree. I would also say this for advice. In a lot of these books, especially first-time book writers or uh, talking about a certain concept, the first three or four chapters they get through. they they're proving out their hypothesis, and then after that it's almost like they're continuing to prove out their hypothesis of what they're saying in the book. If you agree with it, three to four chapters in go on to the next book. You you know, you don't need to spend all the time learning about all the other reasons why they think this is the greatest theory in the world. If you agree with it, move on. One of the books I'm going to recommend is tool of Titans uh, um, by one of my favorite um, uh, writers and podcasters, Tim Ferriss. Uh, In his book, you can pick a chapter and read that chapter. And it, it ends in that chapter. So if you want to learn about different tools, um, you can read that.
1: What are you calling a tool? He's got a pretty good podcast,
0: too. Not as good as It's a great ours, podcast. It's long, but I listen to it all the time. It's great. Okay. Um, now on to our segment. Welcome, Ben, to our segment about SDRs slash BDRs. Ben Goldberg is joining us from SalesGig. Um, and, and this segment, we're going to try to figure out and really dive deep into what a company should use to uh, bring in leads either through outbound or inbound SDR and BDRs. Ben, do you want to give us a little history on, or a little background on what SalesGig is and, and what you're doing today?
2: Sure. Uh, first, thanks for inviting me on. I'm glad to be part of this asshole group, um, and I, uh, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. So um, by way of background, um, you know, we met in a company together, but I got there by way of entrepreneurship, and so I started in corporate America doing small medium global account sales left started a payroll business built that up and sold it. And then moved over to a background screening company and took it from a small business to a company with over 750 employees 6000 clients and um, global scale. And so that was a great experience. And, you know, yeah, both okay. times, yeah, right. And both times I did that, you know, I struggled early on with trying to find a way to have limited bar budget limited salespeople. To be able to really scale an organization, and so I spent a lot of time thinking about how to help small and mid-sized businesses do that, and that's how, how I came up with the concept of fractional sales development for sales gig.
0: Yeah, so sales gig it focuses on SDR, right? Uh, what, what does SDR direction.
1: stand for, anyways?
2: So SDR, sales development uh, representative, BDR, um, business development representative. How do we define either one? Yeah, I think that you know. Every company has a different perspective on that and every organization can be slightly different. So for purposes of today's conversation, I would call the SDR the outbound motion and the effort to make outbound activity happen to drive sales development versus BDR, which is often more of an inbound motion and has a little bit more qualification tied to it as they're moving something from a lead into a sales qualified lead that goes into the pipeline for an AE or the rest of the sales team.
0: So... The big question I have, and Pete, you have experience in this, sorry, is really how or why would a company outsource this SDR function as opposed to housing it in-house? I know besides – Saving know, you 75%. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that is a benefit. So I think could you maybe, from your perspective as an outsider discuss that. Pete, you have some experience in outsourcing this and some of the negativity. So I'd like to hear about those challenges. Pete and I are going to have a
2: good conversation about each one of these. For purposes um, of how we talk about it, let's talk people process technology. I think that's a good way to do it. Okay. So on a people perspective, you know, when you're looking to outsource, the person that's making outbound efforts, that's a mindset that has to be high-velocity be good with the nose. be able to handle conversations at pace, and be able to deal with objections and be able to handle that and deal with... R- a risk averse, yeah. Absolutely. And so the people that we look for in that have a certain type of persona that's very different than you know, an account executive. And then you, you flip that against whether you do that um, onshore or offshore. We've taken an approach of people onshore... That conversation, that relationship that can be built very quickly in a 30 second to one minute conversation. Uh, a US based workforce is is definitely going to edge closer towards a comfort level for a lot of the people that we're talking to in the B2B space. So that's the people side, the process side um, when you're looking to do it in house um, versus, you know, I guess outsource um, being able to coach, develop, train, lead, guide um and mentor that is something that you have to have that subject matter expertise within your organization and when you think about most most small to mid-sized businesses the owner operator of the business or the sales leader usually came in the organization Their subject matter expertise on their market domain they're not necessarily experts when it comes to that outbound motion and that that need to do High volume conversations and outreach in order to get the meetings to a place where they can have a subject matter expert level conversation.
0: Now I know, and and Peter, uh, given, but I know the big objection I've had at my company when I've sort of entertained this to our CRO is one: how do you handle a very technical sales type of process? How do you how do you know that we are controlling the brand that's being? Um, communicated to reps during the SDR uh, motion, and then dealing with objections, how do you go about handling that and training these people to deal with certain objections, especially with a very unique offering?
2: Yeah, so um, I had mentioned people process, the third is technology, so you almost Mm. kind of set it up for me. So with, with technology, you know, utilizing, you know, some of the most modern sales technology tools out there in the tech stack, anything from power parallel dialers to sequencing tools with companies like Outreach or SalesLoft or you know, HubSpot or whomever you're using for sequencing, backed by really solid data, you can build process that you can bet on and have consistent conversations around. And so when you're talking on behalf of a company, we are able to record conversations where it's legal and allowed. Um, and we're able to use that as a way to coach and develop and make sure that that messaging matches with what that company wants to have. And then after that we use the data to tell the story i mean if you make a thousand dials what's your dial to conversation rate what's your conversation to meeting rate what's your meeting rate to meeting attendance rate and you can use every one of those data points to infer how you can improve the effectiveness and the efficiency of the program and by doing that you're helping with a different set of eyes that are experts on this help that internal organization actually improve their brand get their awareness out there, increase the reach, and further their business into whatever uh, market they're looking to go after. And when it comes to being subject matter expertise, you know, we're not experts. Like a a cold caller is not an expert on a product, and we are not going to feature differentiate. Our job is to start a conversation and and create enough interest and awareness to make that person want to take a meeting and have a conversation about a problem or solution to something that they're challenged with in their organization.
0: Wouldn't you say almost all sales should not be subject matter experts? I mean, in my opinion, I feel like sales always wants to get into the nitty gritty of the product and execution. And I feel like if you're getting down to that level, you've already sold the solution and it should be handled by the actual sales engineers or something like that. But I feel like so much time when when you start becoming more of a mature sales organization, so much time is wasted because sales reps want to be able to handle every objection rather than just sell the solution and try to figure it out from there.
2: So I agree with that. Um, this this takes us beyond the yeah. SDR BDR side, but when we're in full cycle sales mode, my two cents on that with having run teams in that area is you need somebody that's a subject matter expert if you're driving a consultative or challenger type sales model. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to know what challenges those people are facing and how to ask them in a way that builds consultative value, and that's where you build your value proposition around. Yeah, there's no way you want to go feature dump everything that you can do and why it's beneficial. It's like build the three legs of the stool that creates value and go sell around that and then move them through the process based on whether that's, that's my. Piece Understood. About.
0: All right. So back to the SDR. So the, so the big objection I often hear is brands. And so you've sort of handled that by integrating with technology, Pete, what are some issues you've run into? Cause you've done this in the past uh, when outsourcing BDRs or SDRs. Well, I mean, on paper, which I think a lot, depending on where your
1: company is in the business life cycle, If you're towards the end of the spectrum, declining, uh, this looks really good because when you put a a plan together, it looks really "quote unquote" cheap. Where you're you're spending overall ten grand a month for for a rep, you can get it down to twenty five hundred fixed, and it looks really good till you're like six to nine months down the road later, and you get the calls from the clients that say, "Hey, nobody got a hold of me," or "This person said this." You know, control of the brand is a is a, is a big
0: issue. Um, and your in your past, you've always offshored, you've offshored these resources, right? Whereas Ben, you're not offshoring. You're trying to bring professionals into the environment that purely focus on being an SDR for their entire career, right?
2: Right. So we have we have pure-minded SDRs that are, are great at having conversations. Um, by the way, Pete's numbers were his numbers, not necessarily our organizational uh, <laughs> price points. Just for clarity. That, that's why I jumped in. Um, and so, yeah, the, the the brand is always something that people care about. Pete, you said, you know, you know, end of life cycle. I've I've actually found it to fall in a couple different categories. A lot of people called because they want to put meetings on calendars for selling. I've also seen a lot of SaaS companies need to get the conversation going with buyer personas more from an educational perspective. They need to get meetings on the calendar to learn about their market so they understand how to find product market fit. You find those that are growing that have found some you know, shiny object that differentiates in the market and they just need to get more conversations going faster. And in those categories, you start to find a lot of really nice success. One of the hardest to do though, is like when you start thinking about rip and I come from the background screening industry, you apply payroll to that, you apply some of these others where they've already got an instilled vendor and making a change is time-consuming and hard. Those are tougher meetings. And so you've got to make sure when you're hiring a fractional or an outbound sales person, you set expectations tied to the the type of industry that you're in and where it's at in the industry's life cycle. So, you know, some of what Pete's saying, I think, makes a lot of sense and, uh-huh. and does tie back to that. Every company is going to have a different expectation for profit.
1: Yeah. Well, if you can get people in the States, I mean, you're dealing with the Philippines, you're... I can't remember what the difference was. Like eighteen hours, I'm I'm having meetings at eleven at night, and uh, trying trying to be the point of contact, to be the expert, to give the information to these people, and trusting when they have their conversations with with the people they're talking to, that they don't screw you know screw up the brand. Um, Carney, what about uh, chatbots and what what was the fancy term the uh, the cheesers said uh, last week? Uh, artificial hey, intelligence, artificial
0: intelligence, artificial reality. Well, I mean so wait let's let's hard, hard, hard hone in on this. So Peter, you have experience of offshoring SDR and bDRs and and from your perspective that the motive behind that is because it looks inexpensive You're, right? you're asking my experience of what I Yes, what I have your experience. Seen. okay um, and your experience is it's it's inexpensive, but at the end of the day, six to nine months you would you would say offshoring this type of solution is probably not a sustainable solution. I
1: I would, looking at it now and looking at it back then, and I tried to get it done and I couldn't, I think chat, a lot of the recurring questions and conversations can be dealt with some type of artificial intelligence the chat. and then having somebody on board an SDR, whatever you want to call them to hop in, in those chats. I do think that's, that's valuable.
0: Whereas, you it seems like you see value in what ben and sales gig is not about offshore and it's actually not about saving money it's about getting meetings and education and yeah. getting uh, like basically expanding your sales force quickly um you know and and having that ability right your, your solution you could still turn the faucet on and off depending on um what you need during that time right ben but it's not really a cost savings as it is uh, you know, just getting professional SDRs that that's their career. And, well, it's, and it's softening the market, way. right? Is that correct, I mean,
2: So I look at it as like what, what, what Pete is talking about is this idea of like, could you get lower cost labor offshore and be able to get more of them making dials? And that answer is yes. The question then becomes how is the quality of that conversation and does the quality of that conversation have an impact on scheduling meetings or getting the outcomes that each company wants to have and the data will answer that question. My two cents on it is that if you have a exceptional dialer and they're in like a parallel dialer or a power dialer where they're dialing like at 100 dials an hour, they're going to get into a lot of great conversations. And so then what we need to do is optimize the data and that's, I think, something that's missed here along the line, which is, oh, let's just go out and get Zoom info data or let's just go and find contacts on sales nav and start making calls the problem is that without a very defined ideal client profile buyer persona and going to spend time doing data verification that that is who you want to talk to and then enrichment through different data sources to get the best emails the best direct phone numbers the direct mobile numbers then at that point now you've got the right people with the right contact information. And so your dial to conversation rate is gonna be better. And with a strong dialer, you're gonna have better conversation to meeting ratios than if you go offshore. And Mm so yes, it's a volume play or it's a quality play. And and, it it, it happens all along that spectrum. And a lot of people think of the output of what a meeting is, right? Mm -hmm. But it's way more upstream with how good that data is. Like Pete and I have worked in the past together. You pull a whole bunch of CRM data out and say, run it. Great, that sounds good. We're going to have a really bad performance because we all know that data decays. And what I mean by that is people change jobs, they change phone numbers, they change email addresses. And so you start to have really bad connect rates and that has a direct impact on performance. And so working with a partner in whatever capability to be able to make sure that you're doing data enrichment, data validation before you throw it into your outbound sequences, that allows you to have an outcome that's going to outperform you know, others that aren't paying attention
1: And if you don't have a marketing plan, you're just throwing uh, this labor out there to pound the dials. It'll look really good. As you said, it's not efficient. There has to be a plan behind it. Why are you calling? Well, I sent you an email yesterday. I'm checking to see if you got it. I don't know if that's a good enough plan, but it's better than nothing. It's a reason why you're calling. You know, if there's no marketing department and you just put these kids out there or people out there to call to have conversations so that could be a strategy too it's i'm not going to put it on i'm gonna put my marketing dollars in these sdrs that is our marketing department
2: yeah i mean so i mean that, but that's the whole concept like marketing activation that's the concept of like omni-channel outreach right so omni-channel outreach being don't just call but do a linkedin connect do some linkedin messaging do some email back that up with marketing activities um and maybe even do a lookalike audience or wrap that around some type of paper clip campaign so like as you start thinking about how you're going to activate your total addressable market, that's a function of, you know, do we go super cold off of really cold lists or do we need to start to do warming activity related to marketing, doing some type of outreach to a target audience, then email sequence. and you know, every company that's out there in, in a tech sophisticated sales organization is using some type of sequencing to warm an audience, engage an audience so that when the dial happens, that conversation you know, is something that somebody has seen something on before mm-hmm. and activates into a sales funnel. And so that's, that's the whole thing is that if we can take marketing, people go to conferences, they go to trade shows, they go to webinars, they send newsletters. Why do they do that? They do it so they can have a conversation with someone. Yeah. So why not just make a call and activate all that, get that conversation established and build that into your funnel and just do it at a faster, more efficient pace, leveraging experts to do it. And so that's... That's some of what we've been, you know, learning and coaching on with with clients that we work
0: with today. So it sounds like there's two benefits to using an SDR. Really, the hidden benefit, the one benefit obviously is getting meetings, right, and get that, get the, get the ball rolling. The other benefit is updating all the data behind uh, all your clients and your prospects. Because I agree with you, HC Insights and uh, and Zoom Info, they get dated. But by using your service and having somebody making 75 I mean I don't know 75 100 calls a day sounds sure. But let's say they do that you're you're basically getting 75 to 100 data points uh, as long as you're integrated into your Salesforce and they're recording everything in your CRM you're able to identify if that person still works there what's their email address what are the road you know did yeah. somebody answer the phone call and is not getting you through now you know complete gatekeeper of some sort whatever you want from that perspective yeah I
2: mean I, I, I'd even take it one step further and there's a term that I love which is I don't know if you're familiar with the term exhaust data a lot of times that's Mm -hmm. used in like marketing data analytics Mm -hmm. but you can absolutely apply that to you know the sales outbound number right which is if you have a conversation with somebody you know something's going to happen on that call you're going to learn something who are they using today when's their contract come due you know what are some of the key decision makers going to be looking for in that when do you want me to do a follow-up and as we all know the whole point of sequencing is to get something happening and keep iterating that relationship or nurturing that until we actually get them ready to have a conversation or into a buying cycle. And so, sales exhaust data that comes from you know outbound efforts can make you far far more targeted. So to Pete's point earlier that like he was talking about nine months in the program changes, I think if done right, leveraging sequencing, a good no today is a great yes down the road. Because if if you get get a good no today, they've said. I'm not interested because I'm using this company. I'm ready to make a change. I might look on this date. So if we put that into a follow-up sequence and contact them when that is coming up, now we're into something that really starts to scale and starts to grow in effectiveness over time.
1: Ben, you said it earlier, man. When's when's your contract up? That's huge, huge. Huge. If you can get that on the call. Yeah, that is huge,
0: especially when you have long Like I I work for a SaaS company right now that has, you know, six to nine month sales cycle, something like that. So knowing when that contract is up, you need to be, you know, you need to be about a year out in advance before that to get ahead of it. Um, So one of the things that Pete brought up and Ben, I don't know, do you use chatbots at all with your sales giggers? Is that what you call I don't know what you call these guys. I'm calling them sales giggers for this podcast, but I know Pete, um, and I, I'll give a lot of kudos to Pete. I've seen it and use the chatbot where uh, it handles about 80% of the questions, so that you're spending less time in sales enablement and training. Do you use? Have you used anything like that in the past, or do you know what we're talking about? Because Pete has used it, and it's been amazing. So for for purposes of our business, I use that.
2: In, I I don't use that for my outbound efforts. Um, okay. You know, I I see chatbots being a great tool from the inbound perspective, from from marketing. But we're not using chatbots going out today.
0: Okay. Because I find that I, I, I would imagine, especially Pete, when you were off showing that stuff, that's probably great when you're off that stuff and you have a time problem. You know, you do have to go to sleep. Uh, um, but it, when they're asking the same question over and over and over again, they can go to that chat bot and that chat bot will respond to the normal questions that are being asked, not, you know, the more complex questions. And as long as you're recording all of that stuff, um you're able to repeat i mean if you want to explain well you don't know you mean,
1: don't know when they're opening up your email right so um, you know not everybody works well everybody works nine to five you just don't know where it is you know now they're starting to come back in in, in the work but it's it's but hopefully it's, you can free up your higher your higher cost labor to deal with more important questions yeah
2: so i mean i i'd be looking a little bit more up market for or up up on the marketing side of that conversation. And so when we work with clients, I'm sure when, when you all are in your organization, the marketing team is looking at you know activation, right? And so they're connecting in the HubSpots of the world or they're connecting in um, the chat bots, they're connecting in um, the different tools to be able to make it so that they know when somebody clicks on their site um, so that they can use that as intent data to follow up with an outbound uh, activity to put that to engage that person in a conversation because you've, you've identified that as being no intent to want to know more.
0: Interesting. All right. Question for you. Another question for you. Um, how has the SDR or how has your? It is a newly formed company, but how has the pandemic changed or forced you to pivot in some way,
2: if at yeah, all? I mean, so so for me, I mean, I'm I'm I started the business 18 months ago, and for the first 12 months, we were spending a lot of time focused on helping companies leverage connected relationships to put meetings on calendars. Mm-hmm. But then as the pandemic hit, um, we found that when we talked to companies, they've honestly, they laid off a lot of people. Um, their sales funnel dwindled and they needed to find a way to aggressively build top of funnel to get more opportunities to be able to help their business get back to either where it was or to you know outpace where it was um, from pre-pandemic. As such, um, the idea of utilizing fractional labor, I think this is true not only for sales development, but for anything from finance to HR to you know, a lot of these other roles, I think is becoming more and more common to be able to reduce the risk on the business, not have to bring in somebody full-time, um, coach, develop, train, have the budget tied to that, that they can get with a fractional resource. And that's that's been a game changer for us, and it's been what's really enabled us to grow exponentially, as, a, as frankly, I think as a result of it.
1: Oh, wow. Hey, Ben, I I just got your email. I'm going to sales gig. I go to the site. Just get, get in a, a couple paragraphs. How, how does it work? How, how do you help uh, either side out? Yeah. So, I mean, um, in version
2: one of our platform, it was companies signed up on the platform. They said who their ideal client profile was. And then our AI would connect to the 1,800 salespeople we had on the platform to identify who was first degree connections in their network to request them to make introductions to people that they wanted to meet. Um, And then salespeople signed up because they had strong connected relationships and were glad to make introductions when requested. And there was financial uh, rewards tied to that. That was be one of the program, that program still exists today and is a way to optimize our network. Um, But our core model is the fractional outbound, cold calling, uh, omni-channel outreach because that has a direct correlation to outcomes that clients absolutely need.
0: And how much do, would you say, how much of your business today is the, the version two, the outbound, probably most of it, it sounds like, right? 95% of
2: our business wow. is, is the outbound fraction of service because so, that we're meeting the clients where they're at today. And so call lesson learned for me, it was this idea that as I, I believed I knew what clients wanted, I started delivering that service and our team listened, heard that there was a different need. And so we pivoted to uh, delivering services the way they wanted it. We just had to be you know flexible and reactive to what they needed which is you know kind of the, the fun entrepreneurial
0: story about yeah the company so far. and it also that actually sounds like you pivoted before the pandemic but it seems like you pivoted correctly because because of the pandemic that pivot that you made moving away from sort of creating a platform for salespeople to uh, make introductions um for financial compensation as opposed to having an actual sdr out a fractional sales department seems to have worked tremendously since the pandemic as people are trying to, you know, uh, start up but not commit fully.
2: Yeah. uh, And it's it's a a scale model, right? Like, if you think about it, you sign up, you sign up with a low risk amount today, start making outbound calls, you look to see what the, what the conversion rates are there. And then from the conversion rates to meetings, how many of those meetings turn into sold deals? That's a simple ROI math problem that you can, you can Mm -hmm. do pretty quickly and then as that starts to prove positive, you start to scale something like that up. And a great outcome for us is that, you know, we help a client get to the point where they're doing enough volume where they can build it in house and run their own teams and scale their own business. And so that's, that'd be a, a great win also. Those are, those are great success.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I find this to be very interesting. My, my question to you is who's your main client base right now? I know anyone, it sounds like, you know, I've got some interest as well in the company I work for today, but where are you mainly hitting home runs? when you look at so we're we
2: stay in the b2b space um, Um, primarily in SaaS companies or professional service organizations those are the two areas where we've had a lot of great success Um, and you know i most of the clients that we've brought in thus far has been through um, referrals or relationships that we've had before that has helped us get our name out there and success breeds success. as we have one successful client, they tell a couple others, and that's been that's been how we've been able to grow our market so far. Which is, Are so you, ate, ate, Oh, and then oh, of course okay. I got to say I'm eating my own dog food, right? So yes, if the question is, am I doing outbound SDR work for sales gig to put meetings on our calendar? The answer is of course yes, and that is that is actually working really well. I actually had a funny story last week. Um, we we one of the personas I target is VP of sales of a company, a certain market segment in size and geography. They, my, my SDR dialed him, created the interest, scheduled the meeting and said, oh, you're gonna meet with Ben Goldberg. The guy's like, oh, this is Tony. I and mean, I actually grew up with him. I've known him since I'm six. I absolutely, absolutely look forward to talking to that guy. And So so we cold called one of my childhood friends unbeknownst to me and sure enough, he, he, he took the meeting and he's uh, in the final stages of moving forward. So I thought that was a great story.
1: Well, that's, that's outstanding. That's great. Uh, 80, 80% of our audience is uh, sales reps. Um, would this be a good side gig for them?
2: Um, definitely they should sign up as a connector on sales gig, load their LinkedIn profile and see some of the companies that are offering, offering to get um, to pay for referrals. Absolutely. yeah. Um, and then for SDRs that are looking to, that love being on a power dialer and love dialing and love the idea of helping different companies, um, you know, outpace the competition with success, then yeah, look, look to hit us up on LinkedIn because we'd love to, Hire more uh, quality SDRs, no
0: question about it. Got yeah. it. Well, I think that's great. I mean, Pete, do you have any other questions? I think this has been great and very insightful. And I'm, I'm interested in bringing sales gig back to the company I work for, and maybe uh, as a uh, another introduction to see if we can get things going. What's your usual typical? Uh, you said market size, company size. What what company size do you guys usually handle?
2: Yeah, I mean so we've been typically so far we've been working with companies less than 50 million in revenue. Having said that, um, we have taken on one client that has uh, a little over 100 million in revenue and another that's like 500 million in revenue. So yeah. I think it's more about need, right? And so if a company has a need for an outbound campaign of one variety or another and they either want to test the market or they want to start to to build something they haven't done before, we're great um option for that and so i I haven't been looking at it necessarily as much as the organizational size as it is organizational need based upon trying to accomplish business goals wise the thing is it happens fast right i mean the moment pete knows this the moment you start dialing you learn something really fast and if you're smart you can pivot on that even faster and get outcomes that are great and so it becomes it becomes super interesting to prove models either right or wrong from the from the boardroom to the the voice of the customer, you can hear
0: that conversation happen super fast. Interesting. All right. I have, uh, Pete, you got any other questions you want to hit up Ben?
1: It's been a real pleasure.
0: Ah, he went there. Thanks um, for letting me be part of the
2: asshole squad today. This has been great.
0: Yeah, this is great. I mean, thanks for joining us. I know it's been a little hectic uh, for me at least the last couple of weeks, but, um, Ben, if you guys, if any of the sassholes want to hit up Ben, it's Ben Goldberg. You can find him on LinkedIn. I believe Pete and I are both connected to him. Oh, yes, You've got salesgig at salesgig.com. So please reach out to him if you got any questions on SDRs, creating leads, uh, helping, you know, uh, uh, true up or get better data on your current lead base that's out there rather than maybe spend money with HG Insights and things of that nature. And SDR might be the better way to do it to get more accurate information because uh, that always works. We'll
1: have all his information on the blog. Hopefully he doesn't, he doesn't shut down the internet for us.
0: Yes. And we apologize to our Sasshole members, and I know we're going to let Ben go here, but uh, our our, our Sasshole podcast from last week, unfortunately, we are not right now able to deliver that to our audience members. Too dangerous. Too dangerous for for podcasting. Corrupt ben, file. you are not dangerous, uh, so we will release this shortly. All right. So that was great, Pete. I, I think we thoroughly enjoyed our conversation with Ben Goldberg. What do you say? Uh, how you Ben? Yeah. So do you think it's, uh, I think, um, we enjoyed it a lot. If you guys want to join us on a SAS hole podcast and you've got something to bring to the table and want us to talk about, reach out to us on LinkedIn or at sales, at sassholes.net. Um, like us, than,
1: like us, like us,
0: like us, and subscribe today. Um, We'll try to get as many podcasts out as possible. We're trying to build up a bank of podcasts so that we can consistently deliver a podcast every day. We're,
1: we're fighting off uh, Spotify as long as we can. Yeah. Watch out, Rogan. <laughs> All right, Pete, you want to cue the music? Do 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 do
0: do